You're now listening to Very Loose Women with me, Emma, her, Catherine, Hi. and her, Leo. Hi. And we're super excited to be joined tonight by Marissa Karneski. Hi, Marissa. Hello. Olivia award-winning performer and director. Her incredible Bleeding Women show is at the Alderbelly South Bank from June 20th to 25th, following a month at Soho Theatre last December, which actually Leo and I had the pleasure of going to see. And, um, and as we later tweeted, the show was so bloody revolutionary, it made me start my period. It did. And yeah, I mean, I wasn't there, but I mean, I sort of well, you was. Sort of were. Yeah. Um, and actually, in anticipation of the show, I've started my period again. So I think there's something about you, Marissa. Every time Amazing. I'm in your presence. I'm on get my, slow. Yeah, I get my period. So, um, hi, Marissa. Welcome to the show. Hello. Um, thanks for joining us. Before we get started... We're going to be discussing one of various women's favourite topics, menstruation. And I wanted to ask us all, before we got our periods, how do we feel? Were we desperate to start? Were we apprehensive, excited? You know what? I didn't really think twice about it. And then when it hit, because I live with my dad. I live with my two sisters, so I probably should have guessed that it was a thing. But I'd never, like, we, I'd never had like a chat. And I live with my dad. And then when it hit, I was like, what is this? Oh, my goodness. And it was sort of purple. Like, it was this kind of very deep shade. And it was really freaked me out. In France, you have an exam for sport as part of your baccalaureate. And I have my sport exam in basketball, just like the second day I'd ever had my period. Initially, I had no idea what it was. And then I was like, oh, right, that's what it is. Took loads of ibuprofen, way too much, fell over on the basketball court, got up again, fell over again. And I was just completely out of it. And it was really horrible. Did you pass your exam? Uh, I did. I got 12 out of 20, which, like, for me, for Sounds sport, generous. is, is not, not bad. <laughs> um, like, I was compensated by dance. Um, I think I, so I think I got 10 in basketball and then and then more in like the other modules of sport. Congratulations. Um, the ba- French baccalaureate is very complicated. But yeah. Let's not get into it now. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Do you? Well, it's going back a long way for me now. Um, <laughs> I wrote this show about menstruation at a time when I'm probably approaching the menopause, so that's interesting. But um, I think, you know, in the 70s when I was a teenager, there was still an awful lot of shame around menstruation for young girls and it really wasn't being discussed in the media. And, um, you know, we used to, girls would be pointed at and, you know, other girls would say, you smell of fish. And it was just really horrible things happened at the school. And, you know, people used to stick tampons on people and run around with tampons at them. And it was really taboo in like 1980, 81 when I'm, I think I got my period in 1982. (laughs) so uh yeah it was taboo it was unspoken and obviously and that was the era when films like Carrie and The Exorcist which we talk about in the show were exploring the idea of the prepubescent girl and her demonic witchy powers and you know that's when Stephen King wrote Carrie uh, in the 70s when you know connecting the unknown and witchcraft and power and the forbidden and the taboo with the with the menstruating teenage girl. So she was very much an unspoken thing. You didn't talk about your period and you, you had shame around it, I think, at that time. What about you, Catherine? Do you remember? Um, I don't think my school had moved on all that much by the <laughs> 2000s because I do remember my one of my poor um, history teachers walking around for about 15 minutes in the school corridor and he had a sanitary towel stuck to his um, you know tweed jacket which was <laughs> not very nice and um, and there was quite a lot of that that went on I think um, in terms of how I felt about my sort of impending menstruation we had um, what was the first of a rather shoddy series of sex education lessons when we were in maybe year six at primary school, so aged about 10. And the boys went in one room and learned about 
um, kind of wet dreams, I think. I still don't really know what happened. No one would tell me. Um, and we had a sort of period conversation and we all got a free sanitary towel. From always. I got that too. Yeah. So yeah. we got, and there are other brands <laughs> available, but you know, that's what we got. And this sanitary towel, uh, because I didn't start my period until I was 14, it had four years forlornly sitting in a drawer when I just wanted to use it. And I was really apprehensive and worried and I just thought it would never happen. And then actually myself and um, the sort of group of um, friends I had who all, we all spent a lot of time together, there were about six of us, we all started within the same two-week period. So we all got to finally use our sad little sanitary towels. You kept towels. the same ones. I definitely I had no use it. for it. It was just in my, it was in my end, underwear drawer for when the day came and mm. one day the day came. Um, and since then it's got definitely much worse as I've got older. The first one was just two tiny little spots of blood. No bother. And just now like on the packaging, just, those two little yeah. drops. <laughs> uh, and, you know, um, I didn't have any idea what I was in for at that point. Uh, well, for me, just briefly, I guess, I don't know if I've thought a huge amount about it. There was definitely, you know, there's always one girl in your class who starts way before everyone else. Mm-hmm. So we had one of those. So she kind of told us a little bit about it. Um, but then when I was in my first year of secondary school, so I was like 11, 12. In fact, everyone here knows I started my period on the millennium, which, <laughs> you know, auspicious time. Um, but when I told other people at school, so I was just, how old was I? 12, maybe? Yeah, um, th- I remember a girl saying to me, she said, have you started yet? And I said, oh, yeah, actually, I got my period. And she was like, you shouldn't lie about things like that. What? I mean, why ask if you're not going to believe me? But also it was quite like, why would you not believe someone? It's not a great thing to boast about. But I guess some people do kind of say, oh, yeah, like I've definitely well, it's, got my it's period. It's like part but... of growing up and stuff. So I guess yeah. like, you get more kudos. If... I got mine at 17, so I was never part of that game. Wow. But, um, but I imagine like it's cooler to get it younger. I don't know. Yeah, and we will ask Freddie the same question. He doesn't seem to... Still waiting. He's still waiting. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Freddie. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about Dr. Koneski's Incredible Bleeding Women. Is there a short way we can say that? Um, <laughs> first of all, first question. D-I-B-W. <laughs> oh, wow, okay, that's more confusing. Uh, yes, no, and it wouldn't be, that would be, yes, D-C-I-B-W is when we write emails. <laughs> but, uh, yes, that is the name of the show, um, Thanks for the clarification. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the idea behind it? How did it get yes. started? Um, so the style of the show I'm going to talk about first because there's lots of different layers and aspects to it. But uh, I, I guess it's I should say it is a real doctorate and I am a real doctor. have to do the vibe a bit, but I will be a very real doctor very, very soon. It, it is a real doctorate. And uh, the doctorate is called... Reinventing Menstrual Rituals Through New Performance Practices. And I guess what I wanted to do was make a show that was a bit of a tongue-in-cheek poke at academia because I come from a background of being a kind of circusy showwoman performance artist. And um, so I made this show, which is in the style of all the things I love, kind of old 70s horror movies, but like a lot of amazing feminist artists now. I love old 70s horror movies, but they're so horribly misogynist mm-hmm. And um, I kind of want to reappropriate the style and turn it round and change those meanings um, so that we own those meanings and those ideas. Um, and they're not just images where we're getting brutally murdered and raped and exploited. Um, and I'm just really fascinated with the way that popular culture has an obsession with images of women covered in blood. And uh, usually it's in that context that I just mentioned of them being victims of murder. But what if there's an older much more ancient reason that we want and associate to see 
images of women covered in blood? Is it because there's a very strong, important symbolism in the menstruating woman and she is a very powerful symbol of temporary death and rebirth, of change, of uh, the cycles of the planet, of ritual, of witchcraft, of all those exciting, wonderful things that us feminists and male feminists alike and all <laughs> kinds of gendered people, whatever their biological sex, are probably interested in, I would hope. So how did you research menstruation rituals um, in the kind of show writing process? Well, um, I started by going to the Radical Anthropology Group in UCL in the Archaeology Lecture Hall. It's on every Tuesday. It's London's oldest running evening class. And I went and interviewed the anthropologists, uh, Professor Chris Knight and Dr Camilla Power, on all of their work um, looking at menstrual rituals. And I looked at lots of books on mythology. There's a lovely book um, by Palgrave Macmillan, I think it's called Menstruation in Culture. I could be wrong, but it's something like that. Um, and there's lots of essays on looking at, you know, archetypal figures that we didn't realise or were just hiding below the radar as menstrual figures like Kali or Medusa. Uh, we could say they're menstrual figures. They represent images of temporary death and rebirth. And I looked at images um, and what's going on in the world around menstrual activism in the women's marches and menstrual activist groups. And I guess, and I looked at the Red Tent movement, I guess, you know, there's a little bit two camps. There's a great book by an academic called Chris Bobble. And um, it could be Bobble, Bobble, Bobble. Somebody can tell me. I'm not sure. Um, and she looks at the kind of the difference between menstrual activists and menstrual spiritualists. And I guess what we wanted to do was uh, bring them together through some menstrual artists <laughs> and do a show that was also, you know, I come from a background of cabaret, live art, experimental theatre. Um, and I love magic and I love uh, horror. I do it in a way that was a bit tongue-in-cheek. You know, we we nodding our cap to the 70s and to when a lot of the politics around exploring menstruation came into uh, into the frame for, for a lot of feminists. Um, so, But we're, we're, we're looking at it through a 2020 activist eyes and we are... Um, you know, playing with the aesthetics of the 70s. We're a little bit tongue-in-cheek. It's a bit funny. I'm a bit of a kind of Joyce Grenfell slash Marina Warner slash Aunt Flo slash weird person from a Dario Argento movie. It's all a bit Suspiria. But unlike in Suspiria, where everybody's brutally murdered, we are covered in blood because we are menstruating. So I kind of understood it as if... <laughs> Take a break. Uh, I understood that you were kind of researching menstruation rituals, um, maybe past and present, to kind of develop your own as a collective. So, that yes, that's right? the Can concept. We, yeah. we looked at some of the big themes in studies around menstruation. You know, do women synchronise um, and why do they synchronise? Is that a myth or is that true? You have to come see the show to find out. Um, and... You know, why don't we have menstrual rituals beyond going, I'm in loads of pain, give me some painkillers, I'm going to bed with a hot water bottle, or I'm going to eat loads. Or, you know, as menstrual advertising was, you know, only recently, I'm going to go skydiving, it doesn't matter, it doesn't affect me. And it's only now we're saying, no, it does affect us, and maybe mm. we should take it into account, and maybe it doesn't make us weaker. Um, uh, so we uh, we look at what would a menstrual ritual be? If there are menstrual rituals in in 
early and traditional human cultures and some of the oldest human cultures in the world that still exist today, if they're still practising menstrual rituals, why aren't we practising menstrual rituals? And if we were to practise them, what would they be? But I pulled together um, a group of extraordinary skilled cabaret artists to explore this idea. And we decided to use our cabaret skills in our menstrual rituals. And we did this at the Arts Centre, the artist's residency house in South End called Metal, who very kindly let us go there every dark moon, uh, once a month for three months, for a, the length of a trimester. And there we created menstrual rituals, often outside on the beach in South End, uh, which was an interesting experience uh, for us and for everybody in Southend who um, were quite bemused by what <laughs> we were doing. And we do talk about that in the show, and we show some of those, um, some of the footage of those rituals on the beach and in the grounds of the park there. Um, and some amazing things happened in the in the journey and the story of what what happened to us when we did this. Some outcomes happened, shall we say, of the research some human outcomes, mm-hmm. um, some, some, you know, births, deaths and marriages, I guess you could say. Um, uh, so n- nobody died, by the way, uh, but um, uh, there, there, there was forms of uh, loss, you know, for, for us. Uh, there was a, a birth. There was so amazing things happened and there were rebirths. Um, and, um, you know, I, th- I, I don't know if we'll, I'll wait and maybe I'll come up with this later. I was going to say something else, but I'm going to... Just <laughs> I wanted to um, to come in there because we do actually have a podcast episode about a menstruation ritual in Papua New Guinea. Wow. Uh, so if you go to www.acast.com forward slash very loose women or just find our podcast on iTunes, you can find our episode about uh, menstruation rituals in Bougainville, Papua New Guinea. Only on Resonance FM would yeah. you be able to say that. That's why I love this radio station. Um, I just wonder what kind of brought you into being so interested in, in menstruation and why did you want to write about it and perform about it? Well, I mean, I've, I've always been interested in it, for, you know, for the very reason of loving movies like Carrie and, and knowing the connection between, you know, women's blood and the human bodily cycle and witchcraft and all those things you know, genres that I find really exciting. But I guess in, in this instance, and why I did the PhD, and, and we do talk about this in the show, it, it, there's a lot of kind of theatre and comedy and horror in the show, but there's also some personal revelations and confessionals. And in a sense, we, in that way, we belong as much to a kind of cabaret circus world as we do to a performance art world inspired by artists like Karen Finley and Annie Sprinkle and some of that, the great... That combination I felt was very rich that there was, oh, because you. I wasn't... I was experiencing it as a cabaret thing and the fact that there was that sort of narrative evolution over, like through it came as a, as a sort of unexpected twist on top of it and it was very, you. you know, very richly melded. Oh, I thank you very much. Thank you very much. And it's, you know, it's, and I must at this point mention the incredible collaborators, um, uh, the performers on the stage is uh, Rhiannon Stiles, uh, an amazing woman who is Elle's first trans columnist and she is talking what it is to be a trans woman and what menstruation means to her. And then we have H. Pluis, is an extraordinary contemporary dancer and a lovely performance artist and, and performer who really got very involved with the idea of the menstrual ritual and did a very interesting thing for her development. 
And we have Miss Blue, one of the world's only female sword swallowers who has a very particular relationship to menstruation, which you find out about, that's related to her sword swallowing experiences. And we have the incredible Fancy Chance, who is a worldwide celebrity hair hanger, one of the only women hair hangers in the world. incredibly impressive. I was not expecting what I saw. She does hang by her hair. And we have the lovely Nauna Guy, who's one of the members of the Frank Chickens, who I'm sure you've had here at Resonance FM. Brilliant girl band, woman band. And uh, not just women now. I think there's all sorts of people in the Frank Chickens. And so it's them and me and a new addition to the company that popped up during the process which I shall not reveal. But it's, yeah. <laughs> if you we come to the show, yes. But we won't say anyone. Um, and uh, I can't remember what your question was now. I wanted to say, my lovely collaborators, um, why did we do the show? Yes. Why did we do the show? So, yes, why did I do this show? Uh, so the cut to the long and the short of it at this time. I always wanted to do a show about menstruation and I'd looked at this research for years and years and years. I'd been to the Radical Anthropology Group in the 90s. But then what happened to me, which we do talk about in the show, is unfortunately I went through a series of miscarriages and I desperately wanted to have a baby and it didn't happen for me um and i was like how am i going to deal with this sadness because every time i got my period i was like oh no i haven't conceived again so instead of my period being like phew i'm not pregnant which for years and years and years it was like phew i'm not pregnant and all of a sudden it was like i want to be pregnant and it was like oh my bloody period i'm sick of it my bloody period, ha ha ha. But so uh, I, uh, I thought, well, now I want to kind of learn to love my period again and I want to know what's interesting about it. So I went back to the Radical Anthropology Group. So instead of going to some fertility expensive Harley Street guru, I went and studied anthropology and it did me the world of good. And I thought, no, menstruation is is exciting whether you have a baby or not because it's about witchcraft, it's about creativity, it's about your relationship of your body's relationship to the cycles of the planet. It has implications for ecological politics. It has huge implications about the origin of ritual, of cosmetics, of makeup, of magic, of culture. And you can enjoy it on so many levels. It's not just a signifier of whether you're fertile and whether you've had a baby. It's also a wonderful metaphor for so many things that make us human. And does the show look at menopause? Not yet. And, you know, it may may have to happen. (laughs) That may be an addition that I have to add if the show continues to tour. Um, We're not sure when that's going to happen. But, um, yes, if the show takes off and gets a worldwide tour, uh, then, you know, perhaps we will be looking at menopause quite shortly. Uh, But uh, we're taking it to the Underbelly Festival. uh, Start on the 20th. We're on till the 25th every night. Most nights are at 7.45. And then we are on again at the Pleasance 2 at 2pm at the Edinburgh Festival from the 2nd to the 28th of August. And for the audience, is there a kind of call to action or a rallying cry for them? What do you want them to get out of it? Because it, to a certain extent, it feels like there's something very educational in this as well as emotive and trying to inspire people. Is there something that you yes, want them to go and do after? Yes, this is a very good point. So what happened as a result of making this show was um, that we got together with the Radical Anthropology Group and we all said, wouldn't it be really interesting if we had an activist movement focused on menstruation? If we took some of the ideas that we'd all evolved together and we said, like, what if anyone could meet on the dark moon and we did menstrual rituals in the landscape that in a sense you know looked at how our bodies and their connection to the cycles of the planet have a kind of role as an as a form of activism 
And we met every dark moon. And that's not just me and the cast. That's anybody that wanted to come that heard about us. And anybody listening can join us on Facebook. Uh, and then you can find out about our actions and come to our actions. Um, there is debates within the group, which is a very interesting group, because we have some women who are activists at Greenham Common. We have some women that were born men. We have some men that were born women. Um, and you don't have to have a womb to be in the menstruals. Um, you don't have to have menstruated to be in the menstruals, but you need to identify or have identified as a woman at some point. And, and then there's debate about whether we should just, we should be as open as that. And so it's, it's an interesting debate. It's a very, it's a new debate for a feminist movement. I know that Sisters Uncut explore these debates as well. Uh, we're not as uh, currently as active as Sisters Uncut, but we're working on it. And um, we... Um, um, yes, we meet on the dark moon every month and we try to create an action, um, a performative action. Um, uh, and that's that's what we're doing. And you can join the menstruals. Join us on Facebook and find out what we're doing. What are the kind of aims then? What What is the action? This is a very yes. good question. And I wish I had a little list of them, but I'm going to tell you some of them from my memory. Um, mm. So I guess we're trying to to kind of reinstate the power and the importance of the human bodily cycle. Um, we're trying to create rituals that connect politically with the landscape and create actions of resistance. And, you know, one of our slogans is, you know, menstruals bleeding for freedom, bleeding for change. Because, you know, and we, we, we walked along the street once with, with a big wolf from... Uh, a big wolf like a Chinese dragon, but a wolf shouting, what are we women? What are we doing bleeding? When are we doing it now? So we're trying to get menstruation out of the closet and we're trying to address things that are going on, um, activism around things like tampon taxes. and uh, but, but beyond that, saying, what if we went for a kind of a lunar time? What if we changed the idea of time? And, you know, the way that human culture was originally run, the lunar clock... Um, reclaim time and exchange of power between um, genders and I explore the idea. It's Lunar Key is, is one of the movements that have inspired our, our, our idea, but say, if humans lived by the clock of the planets and of the moon, and if we explored how we live as humans on the planet from a much more ecological place, because this relates to our bodies. Our bodies do something every month, and we're just ignoring it and forging ahead regardless. So if we worked communally uh, as, as a group and we connected as a group and we worked communally, so it has a kind of left-wing communal implication if we were to be ruled by the moon and not by commerce. Um, I'm just really interested in... You've kind of sort, of sort of talked about the kind of intersection of menstruation and magic. Can you kind of explain a little bit more yes. about how you see that? And I, and I hope that I explained that OK just before. That got a little bit obscure there. But um, um, yes, well... My kind of part in this, I guess, in my doctoral research is uh, I'm really interested in stage magic and stage illusions. And I've always been particularly obsessed with sawing the lady in half. And um, I felt that, you know, I've looked at lots of different versions of the sawing in half illusion, lots of reappropriations of the sawing in half illusion from, you know, great magicians like Penn and Teller. And obviously stage magic is a very male uh, art form and really dominated by male magicians and their female assistants. And what I found really exciting and interesting was that if the origins of witchcraft are menstrual, if men witches came from groups of menstruating women and 
witchcraft is the origin of magic, then the origin of magic shows is then menstrual, you know, could we say? And then could we say that, you know, one of the huge themes in early stage magic and lots of stage magic is the disembodiment or the putting the woman into temporary death, putting her into seclusion and then bringing her back to life. And what are the themes of the oldest menstrual rituals in the world? Going into seclusion and temporary death and then coming back to life. So maybe, just maybe, and we've just forgotten this or it's deeply coded and we don't really realise this, that when we saw a lady in half, it's, it's, it's kind of men appropriating ancient menstrual ritual and controlling and subjugating the menstruating female body. That's my thesis. Wow. <laughs> and that You're is how I'm connecting magic shows to stage magic, to menstruation. So in our show, we don't saw a woman in half. We put a woman back together again. And the woman we put back together again is not your average woman. So we really, um, and you have to come to the show to understand what I mean by that. But we really explore, you know, so we try to connect, because there, there are stories in anthropology where there are parts of a woman and she's disconnected and then she comes back together again and they are menstrual stories. So um, we, and of course to have the woman doing magic, you know, one of the things I say in the, the the show is, you know, as the Grinch stole Christmas, perhaps we could say that men stole the magic of menstruation. And um, we seem to have taken, you know, at the end of the day, we've taken the magic out of menstruation. And wherever that magic may have popped up or may, wherever it may be hidden, whether it's hidden in mythology, whether it's hidden in the magic show, it's been hidden. And we've got to go and get it back out again. And we've got to make menstruation magic because it's a beautiful thing. And it could save the planet. That's my theory. <laughs> And yeah, that's that's a big theory. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then people think, that, you know, people wonder, are, 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 is it a joke? Is it a comedy show? Are you lying? It's real research, and it is um, peer-reviewed research. Can't Not argue with that. <laughs> um, oh well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Marissa. Uh, it's been amazing. And if you want to replug your oh, show, oh yes, come to on. the show. I am mad. But I'm sane. Come to the show. It's from 20 to the 25th of June at the Underbelly. Um, come and meet Aunt Flo. We're there. South Bank, right? Yes, at South yeah. Bank in the uh, Underbelly Festival. It's in the tent on the side of the South Bank. We're in the Spiegel tent. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll get your period. So, <laughs> yes, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, we really, really enjoyed it. So thank yeah. you so much. Um, and also, I should I should plug our show, right? I mean, you're already listening to it, but you know, you should listen every week. You should subscribe subscribe to our podcast, which is on acast.com or iTunes. You should tweet us at VLW Radio. Um, and we should say the first song we played. Could you just say the first song we played, and also yes. the, the last song we're going to play? The song that we played appears in the show. It's the theme tune from Rosemary's Baby, which of course is a wonderful horror movie about a woman losing control of her fertility and her pregnant body, which is then taken over and controlled by a bunch of Satanists. But in our show, we reappropriate it in, with the dance of Helen Pluis, who reappropriates it in a very interesting way. And the next song that you wanted to choose as well is the is the theme tune by the Goblins from Suspiria, um, another film famous for women covered in blood in a very stylish way. And we, in our show, do a big scene with lots of women covered in blood in a very stylish way, but none of us have been murdered. Thank God for that. Um, <laughs> all right, so thanks. And thanks to Freddie for engineering. And I think we're going to, yeah, go out on Suspiria, if it works. Bye. 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 Bye.